This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, March 12th, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, is Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. And I'm dying because you sound like a rat (laughs) crawling up your nose and just died. Hey, (laughs) let me tell you what's happening in Florida right now. When I walk outside in the morning, my car is yellow with pollen. pollen. I go get my car washed. The next morning, it's yellow with pollen. And so it's been like five days for me, man. It's like, I don't know what's going on. My voice got shot this weekend. And I was like hoping that by the time we recorded, it'd be better. But hey, you know. Sound kind of sexy. I gotta admit it. You know, just hey. I was gonna say it's very (laughs) that 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 baritone. I feel like people need to be calling into the show with questions about their love life. Give us a late night. Give us a late night Cameron radio host uh, segment. (laughs) And all the breaks coming up. You're just me hearing Jodeci. Yeah. Hi, Cameron. This is Tim from Cincinnati. Listen, I made some really bad mistakes with my fiance. I was wondering if you could just play her one quick song from The Quiet Storm. Baby, come back, please. Please, Michelle, I'm so sorry. Baby, come back, please. What do you say, Quiet Storm? Listen, y'all, I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate for instead of using chemical warfare, you know, because that is unethical and it's evil. I think we should just throw pollen at people. Throw like, pollen just, at them? Like, like literally just a pollen bomb. Like if you want to mess up something, yes, pollen, Pollen, man, just if you, because I'm telling you, Tennessee, I I tweeted this. I said, Tennessee pollen will make you feel like you got COVID-19 anthrax and you got bit by a zombie off the walking dead. You just like, (laughs) just you don't know what it is like uh, for real. This is real talk. I didn't ever have allergies in my life until I moved to Nashville. The, the, the two years I lived in Nashville, something like broke in my system. Yeah, and like man. the seasonal allergies there just broke me. And then now I'm susceptible to them. I'm yeah. telling you, Nashville, there's something in the I'm, air up there. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. Cedar. Cedar's bad but, here. Well, yeah. listen, I got good news uh, okay. for you guys. I got good news for you guys. You guys know I'm not like, I'm not a big oil guy, not in the holistic stuff. But when I find something that works, I share the, I share the love. Even yes. okay. 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 We need okay. it. We need it. We need it. Am I going to have to be eating lavender drops or something? No, it's it's exact. It's precisely the exact opposite. It oh. is. It is like you know those those remedies try to use nature to fight. Uh, uh, you, you know, this other, is going somewhere. It, uh-huh. it, so so like those remedies use nature to fight nature. That right. doesn't work. Okay, like you need something unnatural to fight something natural. It just oh, makes okay. sense. Okay, okay. so. Well, listen, are you guys, have you guys been living that air fryer life? No, but I feel like I'm the only one that's not. I just okay. air fried some this morning. I'm not going to lie. <gasps> For okay. real? Yeah, I don't have one. I just air fried some this morning. It's amazing. Uh, so, okay. So, so he, here's, here's my story. I, I saw this thing on TikTok the other day and it was this, this thing that, you know how TikTok is. Things burn really quick, hot and fast on TikTok, you know, oh, yeah. so, something trends for like an hour, an hour trending on Twitch TikTok is might as well be top of the charts on Twitter for a week. Like things <laughs> move fast. So you, if you missed it, I don't blame you listeners, but there was something called the red bag hack that really caught my attention because uh, I don't know. You guys probably need to know this because we're friends, but a lot of people might not know that I love Chick-fil-A 
dearly, dearly, and desperately. Are you like, still doing I, four times a week? I, I do many times a week. I don't want to divulge the number, but it is quite consistent. You get the same and, thing every time. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I'd like to mix it up a little. Sometimes okay. I feel sometimes in the sandwich three mood. Options. Yeah, exactly. It okay. can be pretty simple. So, Spicy, so, regular, or nuggets. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Exactly. So I saw on TikTok that that there is a special bag of chicken that is, you know, uh, 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 just coincidentally, the bag is the color of Chick-fil-A red that you can buy at the at the, the like European grocery store chain Aldi. Thankfully, there's an Aldi right down the street from me. And this chicken was evidently secretly formulated. This is the rumor on TikTok. It, to, it was, it's a reverse engineered Chick-fil-A sandwich. And in Aldi, in the aisle, like next to the red bag chicken, they sell buns that are like pre kind of buttered that you put in your toaster to make it a Chick-fil-A bun. So the hack is this. If you use this red bag chicken that's already pre-breaded, you put it in the air fryer, you have an exact replica of a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Now, if, but, and, but and what look, does that have to do with, with his allergies? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm glad you asked, Derek. I'm glad you asked because I didn't own an air fryer, but I was like, Dana, that was some Dana's my wife's name. I was like, dude, you got to hear about this red back thing. I've already done the math. These air fryers aren't cheap, but the amount of money I'm spending at Chick-fil-A, this is really going to save us. Had a spreadsheet, you know, made a business case. We got the air fryer. Okay. Yeah. I've been eating this. You guys have heard me you on made it. this already. I've, I just ate one. I've, I make them every day now. I eat these every day, Jamie. And so, Clark, you've been you've been doing post production on, on, on the show uh, for a long time. In recent months, how how often do you have to to, to spend on my track deleting me going <laughs> like hacking up? How often? How often? That's where this is going. <laughs> you do make a Clark, good point. Be honest. Be honest. <laughs> I mean, realistically, I mean, it's it, it's been it's been like maybe two times every sentence that you say. So thank I mean. you. I've been struggling with allergies, Cameron. All of a sudden, yeah. I introduced this red bag oh chicken in an air fryer in my life. <laughs> I'm breathing clear again, guys. Oh I think gosh. I think my whatever's in there, whatever chemical compounds <laughs> they use to formulate the Chick-fil-A chicken has jolted my immune system. It is it is it's it's like I, I can't wait to get the, the COVID vaccine, but I feel like I got an allergy vaccine and it's air fried Aldi's chicken. And I don't even know how the air fryer works because I first started investigating that. It's something with an air vortex. The more I try to understand it, the less I understand. So don't try to figure it out, Cameron. Just look, you you got a birthday coming yeah, up. I do. Next very, week. very yeah. soon. Yeah, this week. We got to get an air fryer. There you we go. Need, hey, I'm going to pitch in uh, for this air fryer. I'm going to find one. I'll send a text around. We're getting Cameron an air fryer. And uh, Do you have an Aldi near you, Cameron? Yeah, I do. I do. <gasps> oh, my gosh. This it? is It's happening, <laughs> Jesse. It's it perfect. needs to happen. And you need to try it and tell us if it cured your allergies. So, because so you're suggesting it's been a miracle. Not, not, not doing this because it's it's delicious. You're saying it's just a There's health... something medicinal about this. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I think... I think I think Fauci laced the red bag chicken. I think I think I'm part of like a weird CDC experiment. Hey, also one other quick thing, you guys might notice I'm wearing my ORU basketball jersey. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, uh, they going uh, crazy. 
Hey, they're going to they're going dancing. Okay, they made I don't it to know the big dance. They made it to the big dance first time since 2008. They also have this kid, Max Abrams. And I'm not going to do sports thing, but he's a leading scorer in the country. Guys, now's the time to jump on the ORU bandwagon. Cameron and I are both uh, proud alumni, or yeah. uh, 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 and uh, you know devoted fans of the basketball hey, program. Them, what is y'all's mascot? Them shots I like to annoyed, know boy. What's y'all's mascot? A golden Expect Eagles. a miracle. Golden, golden Eagle. Eagles. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, why is it not the cross? What kind of yeah. Christian college is that? Well, well, here, okay, on the basketball court, it says they paint on the baseline, expect a miracle. If I was a player, that wouldn't inspire much confidence. Oh, wow. <laughs> like hey, a miracle? Really? A miracle? It's like really, it's a miracle if we win. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm telling you now, if I play for ORU, I'm chunking it from half court every possession. That's just what it is. Expect a miracle. Like, I'm expecting yeah. a miracle. Coach, you told me expect a miracle. I need a, a mat in my door that says that. So every time I walk into my house, expect a miracle. I I'm like that. You. I mean, that's it was pretty much everywhere at ORU. It was painted on walls and stuff. You know? Yeah, it's just kind of like that hey, vintage original thing. thing that we we need it. I need it in my house because this is the miracle I need. Having boys, I'm just going to let y'all know right now. If you don't know this, like adolescent boys are the most disgusting creatures you ain't lying. on the face of earth. Like, I mean... I'm not going to put my kids out there like that, but it's just like, son, son, like, why didn't you flush the toilet? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. There's no, there's no reason that you left this big old, why <laughs> did you not do it? <laughs> I'll just be front. Like, I'm so frustrated. And at the same time, I don't know if, you know, I'm going in full dad mode right now. And I don't know if y'all feel this way, but I almost take it personal when they don't cut the lights off. Like, I'm like, fam, why do you have every light on in the house? Like, you have the light on in the attic. What was you doing in the attic? (laughs) This is so my dad when I was growing up. And you would always get mad at me for leaving the lights on. And now that I'm a parent, you know, you do the same thing like... But the only thing is, it's just dudes just get worse as they age. Like they never turn a corner. Like it's never like I, there was a college when I was in college. There was a wall in one of the dorms. It was called the booger wall because oh, dudes would literally gosh. just walk by and wipe boogers on it. It's like uh, what is wrong? These college. people are legally adults. They're paying t- conceivably are paying tens of thousands of dollars to be on wall. this campus Oof. voluntarily. And are, are are knowingly wiping boogers all over the walls just because, you know? Yeah, is, mm. This is our, this is that ORU? Y'all got a booger wall at ORU? <laughs> they didn't have a booger yeah, wall when I was, I was there. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the, uh, hey, fun fact about ORU, Jesse. When I was a student there, our basketball <sighs> coach was none other than Bill Self, who's now the oh, head coach at Kansas. Yeah. Oh, he snap. Sta- he started out at ORU. Oh. Took us to the tournament every year I was in school. It was awesome. That's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, when when I was there, it was uh, Scott Sutton who was you know comes from basketball royalty. You know his, his fa- you know his his father Eddie Sutton is all a famer. Um, yeah, his career didn't end up like uh, Bill Self's. But do still, you, yeah. speaking of basketball, do you guys get into like March Madness? Like you're going to make a bracket. You're going to oh, do yeah. all the things. I've never not made a bracket. I'm not okay. a bracketer. I, I, I we would it. do office brackets and stuff, but like I, I never watched college basketball. I'm an NBA guy, but I'll watch March Madness. Like that's I'll just, my favorite March Madness. Show. Usually, I'm either watching it for like you know the fun and you know upset, clicking between all these games and just the energy of it. All those first crazy few days, but then I'm watching for future Prospects. NBA players. Yeah, I'm like I want to see these guys who I've seen on the draft, you know, mock draft list and stuff. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. 
March Madness. March Madness. Here we it's are. It's a fun week. This is a good. It's a good week. My birthday. Spring break for a lot of people. March Madness. It's going to be, be crazy. Good. It's I like the anniversary it. too of. I mean, for a lot of people of their last time they traveled, the last time they did this, and when the world shut down is right I around mean, here. No, directly. Like literally, my birthday is March fifteenth. Last year, that was a Sunday, and. March 15th was the last day like Disney and all the theme parks were open. They shut yep. down for COVID on the 16th. So my son and I went. So I remember March 15th is the last day that the world was open and the world changed the yep. next day. And then that's now this weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's exactly been a year. And in fact, that may show up a few times on today's episode. It is a very significant one year marker of, uh, you know, a once in a generation kind of an event. And uh, there's a few things coming up that will kind of commemorate that. And I have a big announcement. Today, listeners, kicks off a new era for this podcast. I mentioned at the end of last week's show that we had an announcement. And the announcement is this. Moving forward for the foreseeable future, who knows? Everything's flexible. Um, we're going to be going back to one show a week, the Friday show instead of the Tuesday and Friday show. Um, for us as a team behind the scenes, we just felt like less is more right now. We wanted to up, we wanted to do some more stuff with the show in each episode. And so we wanted a little bit more flexibility. And, um, we thought that the show kind of, we have some fun new ideas that we want to implement moving forward. And so we're going to go back to the Friday show. The Friday show will have a lot of what both episodes have had relevant news slices, a guest, obviously, but we're going to start having a little bit more fun on the back end of the show, uh, listener interaction stuff, games again, stuff that like takes a little bit more time in the production process. And so if we're not trying to, you know, push out two shows every week, we have a little bit more time to invest in this one episode. So we figured less is more and we're going to try it, see how it goes. We'd love to hear your feedback. Hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcast. Tell us what you think. Um, and any, you know, we just hear feedback. We're just excited about this next era. And, uh, Today kicks it all off. Uh, our guest today to kick off the new era is one of Jesse and my's favorite people in the world. Comedian Nate Bargatze is coming up today. Uh, he has a new Netflix special debuting next week. And so uh, he comes on the show and tells us about it and trying to do comedy during the COVID era and a lot more. Don't miss that. It's coming up later. But stay tuned right now. Up next, it's Relevant News. listening to Japanese Breakfast, the song is Be Sweet. Well, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at UHSM Health Sharing. Did you know that March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month? Colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer deaths in the U.S. However, medical experts predict that 50% of all cancer could be avoided with better screening and early detection. Our partners at UHSM are hosting a month-long campaign called Steer Clear of Cancer to highlight the need for early cancer screenings. By getting involved in this campaign and donating, you'll be entered to win a trip here to Orlando and a private race session with Jarrett Andretti. You can go to uhsm.networkforgood.com or text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 757-530-5883 to donate. Check out 
UHSM Health on Instagram to learn more. All donations will go to the hashtag Check It for Andretti Foundation to support those unable to afford cancer screenings. It's a great cause. Get involved. Remember, go to uhsm.networkforgood.com or text GIVE to 757-530-583 to donate. Check it for Darren Dreddy Foundation. Very cool cause. Okay, it's time for... Relevant News. Please welcome to the show, Relevant Senior Editor... Tyler Huckabee telling us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Hi, Tyler. Lots happening at the intersection of faith and culture. There's always a lot happening on the on the Tyler Huckabee relevant news beat. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not have time to get a full piece together on the news that broke yesterday by, by our time about Beth Moore's departure from the SBC, which is obviously very big news. Probably the most prominent Southern Baptist in the country dipping out of the of that convention is news and you can read more about that over relevantmagazine.com um but today what we actually want to talk about a little bit is uh this week does mark a a year for most of us of covid lockdown and uh it's a it's a, obviously a very big deal that is still a huge part of a lot of our lives and we kind of wanted to look back a little bit at where we've been through and uh, where we're going up ahead so for many of us 2020 really began in march of last year when the state mandated lockdowns kicked off the official beginning of our new way of life masking up social distancing and learning more than we ever wanted to know about how viruses do and don't spread not in but, texas <laughs> well, depending on for they many don't of us anymore. For many of us, <laughs> there never was a mask mandate here in Tennessee, so it, it's Are you sure? really? yeah, mm-hmm. it never happened. Never, not, I never. I told y'all they just stopped sending masks out <laughs> here, boy. It's like the Can't rescind a mask mandate if you never had one in the first place. Oh, <laughs> that's the Tennessee. No wonder. No wonder it's taking a year. <laughs> this thing could have been over in four weeks, and Tennessee would have gotten on the. Wasn't my idea. Wasn't my idea. Wow. So as more and more people start to get vaccinated, things like hugging friends and hanging out people indoors starts to seem like a real possibility in the near future, though big concerts and football games and going to movies probably still a little further down the road. Now, a year ago, if you remember last March, which seems like five years ago, obviously, it's a, it's still it was still we didn't know what we were talking about. The first few cases of COVID-19 started spreading via a few super spreader events like Mardi Gras, and we got word of high profile cases like Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson's, and it became clear to most people that the pandemic was real. And then as the death toll started ticking up, it became clear still that the threat was serious. And then as the lockdown days turned into weeks and weeks to months, it became clear that nobody really knew what we were in for or how long we'd be here. For a few months, we watched in horror as COVID-19 ran amok in New York City, where late April and early May found America's biggest city rocked with nearly a thousand deaths per day average. L.A. and other coastal cities were similarly challenged before the virus creeped inwards to the south and the Midwest, where many rural communities were crippled in the wake of a shaky government response and early confusion that helped turn the U.S. into the global epicenter of the pandemic. Last February, Dr. Fauci predicted that, quote, as many as 90,000 Americans could die of this. To date, of course, half a million of us have. And I'm not saying that to criticize Dr. Fauci or any healthcare workers out there. Uh, obviously, their courage and perseverance has been a real bright spot for many of us in the face of a daily death toll nobody could have been emotionally prepared for. Uh, and that's been very staggering to yeah. witness. Uh, it's for many people I know who listen to this podcast or in the healthcare industry. I come from a family with a lot of healthcare workers. I've seen the toll that it's taken on them and really am in awe 
of how well you all have handled this and what Tyler's you've downplaying us. his the pedigree of his family. We're talking like Mayo Clinic doctors. His brother's a doctor. Tyler is the least accomplished person in his family. <laughs> That's by true. Far. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of the like the kid who went off to go to art school. Where everybody else got a real job. <laughs> and, 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 Tyler, I don't mean to break into the news story, but I have a very interesting theory involving air fryers and chicken <laughs> from Aldi that I'd like to talk to a medical professional about. I can talk to your father or, you know, I know he works at the Mayo Clinic or you can just put me directly in contact with his boss because this one, this one needs to go to the top. You can take the former governor of Arkansas instead as a, a distant relation, but uh, but somebody who Wait, could, are you really related to Mike Huckabee? No, I'm not related oh, oh, to okay. <laughs> my dad, I think I told you, I think I've said this on the pod, my dad's name is Mike Huckabee, but he That's is not so crazy. But he is not that Mike Huckabee. <laughs> Does he, the, it's like, it's like it's like the famous line from Office Space where he's, where the yeah, guy Michael refuses Bolton. to go, he refuses to go by Mike Bolton instead of, you know, because your dad could go by Michael Huckabee and really kind of, but if he's just doubling down be like, no, because the guy from Office Space like, why should I change my name? He's the one who sucks. That was his Michael Bolton logic. And why he wasn't just Mike Bolton. Or, you know what? Sorry. You know what you should do? Just throw in the middle of the initial Michael B. Jordan style. Like, yeah. He, yeah. He's not Mike. He's not Mike Jordan. He's he's not Michael Jordan. He's Michael B. Just tell your dad to be Mike F. You know, Huckabee. Yeah, exactly. Mike He'll F. Huckabee. Michael F. Huckabee. Michael B could drop the B. Like Jordan is kind of enough in the rearview mirror that Michael B could know. become That's B. A Michael tough Jordan. One. I don't think yeah, so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Jordan is still a multi-billion-dollar uh, brand every yeah. year. So yeah, yeah. 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 He, he's yeah. He, with Space Jam two coming out and everything. He's about to be back in the yeah. And he just had the you know, last dance and all that. Uh, I, I think I don't. I don't think I don't think Michael B is dropping that B anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm a Michael B. Jordan fan. Oh yeah, but we let's all just love call Michael it what B. It is. Nobody's criticizing yeah. Michael B. here. He's gonna be Superman. It'll be. It'll be all right. Wait, what? Supposedly, supposedly, he's, there's like a rumor that they want to cast him, that they're that they want to cast Michael B as Superman. What, Derek? What do you think of that? I don't know, bro. I mean, we gotta give some other black people some roles, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, dog. Like, it's like, RIP to the, to the goat. Chadwick Boseman, bro, bro. They made yeah. my man Chadwick Boseman was everybody. I feel like. I feel like white people, y'all find one black person, y'all gonna make him fit every role. It's like, all right, look, we gonna make him, we're gonna make him the next president, the next samurai, we gonna make him funny. the next Irish man. I'm like, look, man, I, look, man, he, I'm glad he getting his money though. I never hate on a black man getting money, but man, I know it's more than one black dude out here that can play Superman. Bro. It, was, it was like in the nineties, Will Smith and then Michael B inherited the Will Smith mantle. I'm telling like, you, bro, oh my God, Will Smith, Wesley Snipes, like it's just like. It happens. It's it's just like you just they just go on a run. And it it's just was like, every yeah. action movie in the eighties had Wesley Snipes in it, and then Will Smith became the dramatic nineties and two thousands guy, and now it's Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I, my mind is blown right now. What is wrong with Hollywood? There's only room. Denzel. They had Denzel for Denzel had a good run. Yep, Denzel. Oh, yeah, Denzel. Oh, Denzel yeah. was is everybody, yeah. bro. Eddie Murphy. Eddie uh, Murphy went for yeah. it. It's just Kevin Hart. You need a funny black dude? Go get Kevin Hart. Yeah, funny right. black dude is Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. It used to be Eddie Murphy. You're right. Uh, <laughs> I heard an interesting comparison from the careers of Eddie Murphy and and the careers of like Kevin Hart. Like I think there's some interesting uh, parallel. You know, going from stand up 
to kind of these blockbuster, you know, honestly, one of the, you know, both of them sort of the big, two of the biggest stars in the world at their peaks. But they, they you know, those two guys in particular, I think are, are interesting, you know, kind of career studies, not just for Hollywood, but for comedy, because they're both been, you know, so transcendent culturally in different ways. Mm-hmm. I'm, my well, mind's sure. blown about this Michael B. Jordan thing. <laughs> like I thought I literally, Derek, I expected because the Superman thing, is your thing. I would have thought you'd been like, man, he will be incredible. It'll transform the game. You do like a good Jordan job. asked Superman would be amazing. And you said, there's other black men who <laughs> need that role. I mean, I mean look, I, this is the thing. I think he's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think if they have him there, he's going to be amazing. I just, I just always think it's funny that it's like, right. It's almost like black people are like the Highlander of, uh, of, of like videos <laughs> there, can like, be one. there can be only one you know what I mean like, it's like I mean come on man like and, and then also uh, you get typecasted too I feel like Denzel Washington played the same person for 20 years like just like bro let, let that man let that man explore his range <laughs> but the, I think the thing about Denzel it, that's interesting well, since we're on the topic is like he can be Denzel and just be like you know training day the equalizer any number of those like right. where he just plays like sort of like a more sort of like bad a version of himself but when you see like fences or one of the films that he's been involved with behind the scenes where, you know, he kind of, yeah, I think he like produced and directed the stage adaptation, the big screen stage adaptation of yeah. Fences, which is like a multi-generational yeah. story that confronts a lot of issues with, uh, you know, which race really and class. And, and, yeah. Okay. yeah. But you see his, his range isn't just, hey, I can be a guy who can kill four henchmen in a Home Depot with a, you, right. you know, or one of that scene in Equalizer. <laughs> like, he... He he has he has theatrical. Oh, chops. he's the goat. He's a he's a, he's to me to me as far as if we're talking about from my generation of actors when I'm like top black male actors, I'm either going him or Will Smith. That's just for me. Yeah. Those are the two. Those are my yeah. two. Those are my two goats. You know, personally, you know what I mean. Yeah. But do you think Will Smith can do what Denzel can do? Will's yes. a good actor. Was a good actor. Ali, yes. Ali yeah. was really. I, I feel like, um, and my sleeper is Jamie Fox. Oh man, He's, people really sleep Oscar on winner. how his Oscar range. winner Jamie Fox. People never, people never give him the credit that he deserves. But I mean, he can literally go from being action star to Ray. And it's, I, I think that he's a guy that gets really, really slept on in that combo. Django. Too, too uproariously funny. I mean, like, yes. he has. Yeah, he should be in a stand up and a sitcom. He had, he started as a stand, he was on, he was a cast member yep. on Living Color. He, um, which he was, hella, uh, there's a lot of, that'd be an interesting show for, for like an oral history. He's a, he at was some a point. legit recording um, artist. Yep. You know, legit recording artist, a stand up, a sketch actor. A, 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 a sitcom star, you know, he had he had the Jamie Foxx show on. Jamie, Jamie's unique too. in the sense that, like, it's not, there are people who have the range that they can do all the, you know, they can jump into multiple lanes. They can they can sing well. They're funny. They can act. But Jamie is unique in that no matter what he's doing, no matter what lane he's in, he's better than you. Like he's he's Facts. one of the best at, <laughs> at whatever it is he does. Drama, drama, one of the best actors. Comedy, yeah. one of the funniest people. Period. Singers, incredible. Mimic, he can he can impersonate anybody. I mean, he's literally one of the best at anything he does. There are no talents like that. I can't think of anybody else that I would equate like that. Yeah, he's extremely slept on, but but yeah, that those are my those are my two. And he's the he's a sleeper. I, I think it's just the only yeah, I, and to be real, 
we're talking about talent. He's the most, he has the widest range out of all three of those. Yeah, but yeah, I, sure. I think I just have a, I think the thing about, um, besides Ray, like Malcolm, like Denzel played Malcolm X. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, there's a, he's played so many endearing roles and I don't, I don't think that's the only reason I wouldn't give it to Jamie over or him or, or Will. Like Independence Day, Will, you know what I'm saying? Men in Black, Will. It's like those are endearing roles. I don't think Jamie has a lot of the endearing roles other than, that those other guys Other than have. Ray and maybe Django. Django, I'm not sure yes. Jamie has Django. that like all time. Django's like, my favorite with him. Yeah. Django oh, rocks, obviously. It's crazy. Yeah. Django was out there. We just went on a rant. <laughs> all right. This, we're, we're way off the COVID so beat. COVID. But, uh, but, it's, uh, but it's all good. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, this is on the COVID beat because we've all watched so many movies yeah, and TV true. shows in yeah. the last year. We're all fresh on all this stuff. Well, that's like, coming up. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. I've rewatched the catalog of most actors <laughs> right, right, right now, uh, you know, in the first months of after I finished Tiger King. That was all there was to do. Um. So anyway, we did one where uh, we can get back. We can, I don't have a great transition lined up for this, but we'll just get back into it. Um, uh, Cause we did talk about healthcare workers, which is, which is obviously very true. And I did want to talk a little bit about where we're, where we're at right now, based on what we know about vaccine predictions in the U S and honestly, uh, as of, as of Wednesday, the day of recording this, things are looking pretty good. Uh, current predictions are that the U S will likely have enough vaccines for every single American by the end of May on Wednesday, Biden announced that the U S will buy 100 million additional doses of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which when added to the supplies we already have from Moderna and five means we will be on track to move from a time of vaccine scarcity to a time of vaccine abundance. Now, officials are still hesitant about putting a real timeline on when things will go back to normal officially, but it's safe to say that that light at the end of the tunnel is getting pretty bright at this point. Uh, we can start talking about early summer, mid-summer as sort of a time when we'll be able to see things look pretty different than they do right now for most of us. Not everybody, but most of us. Tyler, no, one thing I, I have heard in, about the availability stuff is that I've heard that nationally, as of today, um, uh, Alaska is the first state to officially open up to anybody who wants Correct. a vaccine, 16 and up, as of today. Yes. And that oh, wow. by... Because there's like 12 people who live in Alaska. Yeah, but so by late April, <laughs> I've heard that by late April, any adult that wants one will have a, a pretty easy access to get one. The May thing is that there will be enough out there for literally every adult. The challenge is going to be all of us who want one are, are good in late April. And then it's going to be convincing the rest of America after that. So it won't be a supply issue. So it may not be like late May, everybody's good to go. We have herd immunity because that last 40% of America may take a lot of convincing. You know what I mean? So I am, and I'm not mad at that. I'm going to be honest. Cause I mean, Hey, and y'all can call me what y'all want to call me, but I mean, I'm very leery of taking a vaccine that they freestyled and, you said earlier months. in the show, Derek, that you weren't going to. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, I need to wait. I need to see because I know for me as a black dude, just for obvious reasons. Dude, there have been a lot of discussions. <laughs> I, and, and I'll be honest with you, Derek. I, I didn't know about the historical, you know, uh, uh, really egregious things that the government has done and racial medical experimentation, like the yeah. Tuskegee and different things. I've done a lot yeah. of learning over the last yeah. few weeks to understand the distrust that's in a lot of uh, minority communities toward things like, like this, the, the mm-hmm. vaccine. And man, I, I get, I get the hesitation just systemically and historically. 
And, and I get it that you're looking for like evidence. And the good thing for me is that as time goes on and we're looking at all the people, 10% of America has gotten it by now. You know, th- like it really, there hasn't been any sort of like scary negative side effects, right? I mean, we're, sure. all, we're all seeing that as time is going on, we're yeah. all getting a little bit more peace of mind, peace of mind. So that's what you're saying is you're just watching. I'm not going to be first in line. I'll be toward the back of the line. I'm going to yeah. see how all y'all do. That's what you're saying. But that's, and that's also just my personality in mm-hmm. general. Anyone that knows me knows I'm not an early adopter of anything. Oh, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm first in line for almost yeah. anything. I'm saying yeah. yes, if it's new. That's my Enneagram 7 that's side. That's not me. You know? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm always, all right, let me see how this plays out. Okay. Like, I, I'm, I'm the person that, oh, man, that Xbox One X would be great to have, but I got to wait until they work out all the bugs first. Like, sure. that's that's me, you know? Only thing I only thing I pre-ordered that I'm like I'm probably going to deal with it is I pre-ordered the Tesla Cybertruck. That's the only thing. <laughs> did you really? I did. You got the Cybertruck? <laughs> yeah, I the pre-ordered eight, it. The 8 bit the the Minecraft Dude, looking. That thing is sweet. I'm is riding sweet. through the streets of Nashville like <laughs> it's like we are in the future. You are the yeah. person who can pull off that truck. Like, <laughs> my my yeah. son wants me to get one. I was like, Not "Do you me. know how ridiculous I look?" I have a Tesla, but I can't pull off that that look. You know, I'm riding through the city looking yeah. like Mad Max. That is what I'm gonna do. <laughs> hey, Derek, Derek, real talk, because I floated this in my home and it's not going up. Going <laughs> do you do you think I could pull it off, or do you think do you think I would look you ridiculous? Look ridiculous. Because, mind you, mind you, I don't mind looking ridiculous. <laughs> I think it would be great, bro. I, love, I think everybody should get one. Bro. I'm, I'm a hey, Cybertruck advocate. Why not? Eli, you need to cut me a check, bro, for doing this, bro. Of like, all the I need you to be an early adopter on. Of all the things, you'll you're waiting on the vaccine, but you'll go for the Elon Musk. The Elon, that man's yep. rocket just crash landed last week. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Blew up. I'm with it. I'm with it. Look, I'll do that because it's not in my body. Like- <laughs> Derek, Derek, I did, hey, when when Elon did the uh, the announcement about the Model Three, like the affordable Tesla, back a few years ago, yeah. like I was watching it in bed on my phone and at the end of the presentation it was like you can click here to reserve one and i did i was just like yeah. i was like i jumped in because i'm going this is revolutionary price point the energy yeah. efficiency all that stuff i love it i love it sign me up and then i forgot about it and like two years later i got an email oh your tesla's ready and i was like <laughs> wait what and i had to go pick it up like i forgot i li- i mean i knew that one day down the road like they would like right. talk to me and i could cancel if i wanted to or whatever but like right. a year and a half later like boom the car's there's so that's going to happen with you and that truck dude one day it's going to be like there's a truck in your driveway you kind of forgot you better start working on my checks are you su- yeah. so you're suggesting kind of my loophole here is so i just go ahead and place the order and then by yeah. the time by yeah. the time you know my wife or anybody get mad at me so much time has passed that there's like a statute of limitations. Like, listen, I don't know what happened a couple years ago after her podcast. They talked me into ordering one. You know, statute of limitations. Statute of limitations here. But just go for a ride and enjoy the truck. There'll know? be bigger problems than Jesse. I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an electric car like like advocate, and I am so excited about the next two years of all the all of them that are coming out. I mean, you got that Hummer coming out. You got... The Ford Mustang, the F one fifty. You got like Rivians coming out. All you got electric. All electric. Oh yeah. Vol- hey, listen. Uh, GM, uh, Volvo have both committed to completely electric fleets, and just like within five years, GM's wow. a couple years after that. But Volvo 
won't sell a gas combustion engine in three years. It's crazy. So I'm so excited. It's going to make a difference a dumb question? in the environment. Yeah. Where you just plug it in at your house? Yeah. In my garage. And then how long will it go off that one charge? 300 miles. So I go to Miami and back okay. or Miami. But 300 miles. I remember, I remember it. this was in the before times. Uh, I think me and Jesse were down there together and Cameron, Jesse and I were going out and you threw the keys to the Tesla to me to, and so I, I took it out and it's, it's pretty intuitive. At first you're kind of like, I'm driving all on iPad here, but you right. get used to it after you're a while. A, you're driving a video game. It's crazy. But one of the most, one of the most <laughs> humbling moments of my adult life was getting out of the car with and Jesse. I think you were there for this. <laughs> I was. And Googling on my phone. How do you turn it off? Like, there's no button. There's no key to pull out. So I'm on my phone standing out there like an idiot. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I got so used to this. You just get out of the car, right? And as you walk away, like your phone is the key. So as your phone goes away, the car shuts itself down and blah, blah. Yeah, but as, so like, but, listen, uh, this oh, is wow. my boss's very nice electric car that I'm leaving there on the side of the street in Orlando. I'm like, surely there's got to be something. There, you, there's a button. There's a toggle. There's a, You swipe Tyler, left. You get so used to it that like... I will rent a car back when we would travel before COVID. I would rent cars, leave the key and walk away. And the car, the keys are in it and the car's still running because yeah. I just it's forget. Running. Like yeah. you have to turn off a car. Now. That's crazy. Dude, I can't imagine your truck, dude. That's going to be crazy. When you get it, I'm coming up. I'm, I'm excited. I'm Bro, we're going we gonna to go for when a When will you get it? Whenever it comes out. I know. When's it supposed to come out? It, it's supposed to come out mm-hmm. this year, but I, I mean, I, okay. I doubt it. Hey, to be honest, I doubt Eric, it. please tell me you got the one that comes with a four wheeler in the back. Like, <laughs> no, I didn't get that. Goodness, I, I got the four wheeler. <laughs> what? I get that one. I get that That's one. That's crazy. But, yeah. All right, Tyler. Tyler, so, okay, vaccines, May, what else? Yes, vaccine, we got all that, we got all that. And that's really, that, that's really about all, the, the light of the tunnel is getting pretty bright. We are looking at things opening up quite a bit over the summer. Uh, that's obviously good news, but it doesn't really remove the sting of what's happened in the last year. Uh, I know there's been a lot of Zoom weddings, Zoom graduations, Zoom everything. I know a lot of us had to miss out on memories of people we really care about. Um, I know people listening to this, uh, doctors, nurses, teachers, for goodness sakes, people who've had to be go through a lot of things that they just were not prepared for and really, really appreciate and admire your courage and your perseverance in all of this. Uh, and I also want to say something about people who had to say goodbye yeah. to family Man. members and friends Man. and people they care about. I know there's a lot of those stories out there as well. And um, and this, this, you know, this does go out to everybody who who didn't live to see the end of this pandemic. And it also goes out to the people who did, uh, which is everybody listening to this. So I, I think that things are looking up quite a bit. Um, things are looking brighter, but it's going to change this as a country in ways that even with the experts that we've kind of interviewed about this and that we've reached out to to talk to about this, asking what's next. I don't think anybody knows. We are in uncharted yeah. waters for this, but we are looking at a chance to finally start figuring out what the post COVID-19 future for our country and for our church and for us as a, just as a society in general is going to look like. All right. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. It's obviously there's a lot happening that we cover every day at the site and on social. Uh, but we thought it's exactly right now this week, kind of the one year anniversary of uh, something that really will define this generation uh, for well forever. Um, and so we just thought it, it was important to kind of reflect back and look ahead and talk about where we're at in the pandemic. So there you go. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Stay tuned, everyone. Up next, Nate Bargatze joins us. Signs of the See the judge, but crazy jewelry. I'm a screen, just for
to Gabriel's the song is love and hate in a different time but today's show is also brought to you by better help uh 2020 was interesting so let's do a mental health check-in how are you really what do you need right now therapy can help now what is therapy exactly it's whatever you want it to be get some tools to help with motivation depression anxiety battling your temper stress dealing with insecurity in relationships or at work whatever you need It's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you because you are your greatest asset. Right now, relevant podcast listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash relevant. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash relevant. In the era of TikTok gags and YouTube skits, Nate Bargatze has established his comedic career the old-fashioned way. Really funny jokes and storytelling. He's one of my favorite comedians, and he's been making people laugh for a long time. Jesse and I discovered him at South by Southwest uh, four or five years ago. Unbelievable. So great. Uh, he's been on The Tonight Show. He's had a special on Comedy Central called Full-Time Magic. And now he's on his second special premiering on Netflix this coming week, coming up. It's called The Greatest Average American. We sat down with Nate to talk about the new special. Uh, debuts March 18th, by the way, as well as his story. Growing up in the church and all that, good Tennessee boy, and juggling comedy in the COVID era. Here is our conversation with Nate Bargatze. I got a reversible jacket at home, and I have two of them because I didn't know it was reversible. <laughs> Bought them at the same time. Tried them both on. Like the black one, thought might as well get the blue one too. Went and laid them up there, and I remember they go, "Are you sure?" I go, "Yeah, I think I know what I'm doing here, right?" <laughs> doing homework too our daughters are bring it all home first and second grade was awesome third grade you're like okay they throw some stuff in you're like oh okay i have learned stuff have you been working on new material is there lockdown material that you're going to try out people joke about it on social media and stuff you see little youtube movies and tweets and things like that that are funny but then it's also you know some people's lives were affected by covid i'm your life for crying out loud was affected by covid you had to you had to postpone a bunch of tour dates and and that's kind of hard is it tough to find a way to joke about this stuff or do you think it's cathartic for us no, i mean he, i mean you should joke but i do you know I've, I've had uh i did uh one thing on the tonight show uh, which has some of my Netflix stuff, but it's like some of the COVID jokes I was doing. And so you would see some people, but you know, they're like, COVID's not funny and like that kind of <laughs> idea. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, you know, it, it's like, yeah, we're all going through it. Obviously people that are losing their lives and they're losing their loved ones is, is they're paying the highest price. And, uh, and so it's, you're not taking anything away from that. You understand that how awful and sad that stuff is, but you also have to be able to, People have got to make jokes when something this broad is happening. Humor is what gets people through a lot of things. Humor is making fun of a situation. There's a lot of comedians that grew up in bad. I did not, luckily, but I know comedians that grew up in bad families and 
dad was not there and stuff. And they make fun of that because that's how you deal with it. That's how they deal with that is they try to make jokes about it and make it light. And you don't let it just weigh you down. That's the thing too, is like doing comedy is, is I did COVID stuff, but I don't want to do too much. It's like, cause people just need a break. It's all too, everything's too serious. Everything's oh, yeah. uh, political or whatever. And, you know, it's all, it's, 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 it's blending too much in our, our regular lives. It does seem like something where you're like in kind of a caught between a rock and a hard place where if you're, if you're topical, if you talk about something that's happening in the news, people get, can get mad about that because it's not funny. You don't make fun of that stuff. But if you don't talk about it, then you're ignorant or you're, you're not engaging with reality. So it seems like it's got to be a, if you don't want to get people mad at you, it seems like it could potentially be a really tricky balance to try to navigate there with fans. Yeah. I mean, I've never been, I've never been a, uh, like, I, I don't care about offending people. That just doesn't like excite me. Like there's some That's comics cool. that love it and they love pushing the boundaries and all that stuff. I, I just want to be funny. I'm not saying I'll never not do it. I'm not saying there's not going to be a reason, you know, it would have to come up naturally and organically that if I did something like that, uh, it is, it's hard. Sometimes you feel like you do get caught up in thinking like, Oh, I should be saying something. I need to be, you know, you always hear about this platform thing. It was like, you got a platform, which I think is insanity. It's like <laughs> my platform is being used to not tell you what to do. Just go live your life like that. Like I'm not, I shouldn't be in charge. Of, you should never listen to me. I did. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm barely high school educated. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so go figure out, yeah, everybody needs to do their own stuff. So it's, yeah, it is tough. You try to bride that, I just try to ride that balance in the middle and, uh, you know, and, and then just kind of do that. The only thing I've ever done is like, I don't ever really try to make fun of the South in the fact that like, I am a yeah. defender of, uh, just the middle of the country. You know, may I live here. I'm from here. I'm, I, I am the, the middle of the country. I mean, this special is called the greatest average American. I have very average American taste. Everything I, you know, <laughs> I, just, I go to Applebee's. I just go to the nicest one. Uh, <laughs> that's the only thing that I can, but I, I don't, you know, it's not like I harp on it. I don't go crazy. It's like you, I say, but you say a little thing here and there. I'm doing the special. I say, I just say briefly, I went to a NASCAR race and everybody had masks on. Like just to kind of, just uh-huh. to say something positive about like I did, I went to a NASCAR race. They were wearing their masks. So, you know, these people, they would have been, they get blamed for not having their mask on. Well, I saw, and they did have their mask on. So, you know, but then I made fun of a mask thing too. So you just do both. Back before when you were just, before you started doing comedy or you were early into it, did people tell you like you'd be a great stand-up comedian? You're really funny. You should consider stand-up. You know, I was always doing some stuff with my dad. My dad uh, is a magician and and was a clown and did a lot of stuff. And so when he would do stuff, he would do stuff. A lot of it was at our church. And so they would do shows. Him and uh, one of our friends, Wayne Denton, they, they did this Ned and Jed and they would be, you know, one's Ned, one's Jed. They wear like they dress like hobos kind of and they they would do like a little sketch and i would do some stuff sometimes with them and you know a little random stuff like that it was always was trying to get laughs i guess uh but i don't think i ever 
it was never like in my head going like, I'm going to be this uh, kind of thing. And then in my senior year in high school, I had, I was like, I would I'd be funny. I'd be funny. Like, you know, I wasn't the class clown. I wasn't walking into doors and doing stuff, but you're, you're making little funny jokes, making fun of someone, making fun of myself, something like that. And so there would be some, he'd be like, Oh, were you going to go to Zany's? Like we'd always say that joke, like, Oh, Zany's is in Nashville's, uh, comedy club and they're like oh you're gonna go down to zany's why don't you go sign up you know and it was like that was kind of the joke uh so it was like a little bit of you know it it wasn't like this obvious kind of thing it's like you're your kid in high school and you're figuring out what you want to do and all this stuff seems you know i'm living in old hickory tennessee and mm -hmm. uh none of this stuff feels like it's possible you know you don't know luckily i didn't have college and i really had no plans so I could uh, just go try something. I was listening to, this was a few months ago, and I was just took on a painting project here at the house and uh, just turned on a bunch of stand-up all day long. Um, and it took probably a couple hours before I was like, and I'm kind of depressed. I've been laughing all day, but these people do not seem like happy people. The people that I was listening to that particular day did not seem like overall happy people, even though I was laughing. And I know that's kind of a cliche about the stand-up community that these are all very damaged people who are working through their issues through comedy. Is that a fair critique or is that just sort of a, something that people don't really understand comedy say about comedians? Uh, no, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of comics are like that, but it, there's been a lot of conversation with comics where you always think, I don't come from a broken home. Yeah. I don't come from this stuff. So like, can I not be them? You know, there's comics that come from money, you know, like that never were. I mean, I came from nothing <laughs> as far as my parents didn't have money growing up. And so, but it was never like a thing, it, you know, they, they just worked and we did whatever. And, uh, and then there's other kids that never once challenge, you know, like have to think about money and they, and they are, they're funny. Uh, so, I mean, some of it is, I think it is. I mean, look, a lot of comedy comes from, it's going to come from uh, either you're being dumb or an argument, or it's probably not the, the moment. Now the, the arguments can be pointless and who cares? But I mean, all comedy kind of comes from a, you know, not a, a negative place in the fact that you're making fun of something, which is back to the, we were talking about earlier about people leaving with the COVID stuff and you're like, well, comedy, yeah. that's what comedy is. Comedy is, I mean, comedy, if it was like, Hey everybody, we're all billionaires and everything's great. <laughs> like you can't, then you, you know, there's nothing. You got to have some kind of yeah. sadness, you know, is a tragedy equals time equals comedy. I'm just saying that completely wrong. <laughs> Something like that. My parents used to watch a show called rescue 911. I remember walking through the living room and I look at the TV, a guy has a ski mask on and a woman is asleep with her feet out from under the covers, and he started rubbing her foot. I don't know what happened before or after, but I know I've never been able to sleep with my feet out from under the covers <laughs> because I accidentally saw that 30 years ago. But yeah, so comedy, I think comedy all comes from that kind of place, and it just depends on how dark of the, you know, are they, you know, I'm just talking about fights with my wife. Uh, I mean, I, at the beginning, when I, I had to learn how to, I would do jokes about my wife and I remember people would, they'd be like, well, why are you even married? And it was like, well, it's not, and I was like, well, that's not how you're supposed to be taking this joke. Uh, and I had to learn how to tell it 
where it's like, you can tell that I do love my wife and I love my daughter and I love everything. And these are just the funny things that we're talking about. And you have to learn how to, to, to tell it like that, or otherwise it can come off where you're, you know, you don't want to be a loser. You know, you want people to feel bad. For I make fun of myself for being dumb a lot, but you, can, you I want to be dumb in the fact that you're dumb and I'm dumb and we're all dumb and we, and you laugh at it for that. You got to be like relatable. It can't just be where you start feeling sorry for me. Cause you're like, God, this guy is just so, <laughs> stupid. you know, uh-huh. And you got to learn how to tell you got that's something that you have to learn over time is how to get this stuff across without people, you know, feeling sorry for you or something. You hear a lot of talk about, um, about punching up versus punching down in comedy. Is that something that you, is that a rule you try to abide by too? Is like, is that something you think about like, Oh, is this punching down at mean people? Or is, is that a, sometimes it seems like that's kind of like a simplistic way of thinking about it too. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, I, I, I'm not for punching down. I mean, that's why I did all my jokes. Everything kind of goes through me. So if I do something wrong, it's, or if something, if I mentioned something, it's like, I did it. I'm an idiot. I'm the dumb one. And you can either laugh at me or laugh with me because you've done it. But I don't ever want to point to someone in the crowd and be like, hey, moron, you're, mm-hmm. you're the, you're the dumb one. You know, it's like, it's, I, I, I am, really against uh i don't want to make anybody feel bad I, that breaks my heart if someone gets their feelings hurt or you know like I, I would i would i would i would never want it in a million years is uh and to something to be taken that way i, I just don't have it that's not you know i don't know not that it's, people have that in them but it's like that's why they that I, I you know it's like you just try to ride that line where like let me make fun of myself and uh don't worry about you know and you can laugh however you want to laugh. So yeah, I am a big, you know, I don't, I don't like punching down. I'm really against, it. I mean, I, you know, that's what I've had a problem with. I think, you know, it's like, that's the thing about being in the middle of the country. A lot of people make fun of people in the middle of the country and they, uh, and that, that, that is the only thing that's kind of like, I've more and more, you know, if I think about ever doing a show or right, is like, I try to really be like, look, I'm not going to do this to make fun of these people. Like I am these people. And you can't just yeah. broad stroke all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I'd rather yeah punch up if you can, you know. And then, but I punch, you know, you punch wherever, you, whatever's funny. So but <laughs> I, I definitely yeah. don't try to make anybody. I would never in a million years want to make a person feel bad. It's fun when people uh, move from stand up to trying out some other things, sitcoms, writing books, movies, something like that. Is that something that you would you like to move more in that direction? Do you have any ideas or plans to head out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm selling shows and stuff. I've uh, done a bunch of them. They've never really gone anywhere. And that's a whole nother world that you got to get in. I don't know if people know, but like making TV shows is it's a very long process and it's not an easy process and it takes a long time. And uh, sometimes it can take a year to get it to a point just to get told no, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, and it's so it's uh, I always continue to try to do that. I, I will continue. And there's different stuff that I'm going to try to do. And, uh, you know, and I'll see what the next step is. I love that I can do stand-up now. I love doing these stand-up specials. I love touring. It isn't a good place with stand-up comedy that I don't think you have to do those shows as much as you did. Uh, you know, like Seinfeld or Kevin James, Ray Romano, that era. I think those guys kind of, it was 
there wasn't as many specials and there wasn't, you know, now with Netflix, some of these specials are, they're their own thing. And you can oh, yeah. be a stand-up comedian. And then if other stuff comes, it comes. Uh, so, but I, yeah, I definitely would like to try to do it. I definitely would like to get a show. The next step would be definitely try to get some kind of TV show and figure that out. But uh, all of it's for stand-up. I mean, I see myself doing stand-up until I can't, until I can't stand up. That was Nate Bargatze. Make sure to catch his special on Netflix. It comes out this coming week, March 18th. You won't want to miss it. Fantastic. And also, go read our full feature with Nate. We cover a lot more than what you just heard. It's in the brand new March-April issue of Relevant, which you can view for free right now at relevantmagazine.com. Click on the magazine tab. It's presented ad-free and for free by our friends at UHSM. Go check it out. Stay tuned. Up next... Slices. Man, out of order. Weird. You're listening to Goat Girl. The song is They Bite On You, which I would assume goat girls do bite on you. Mm. Oh, gracious. Goat girl. Mm. They bite Mm-mm. on you. There you go. All right. I think that's just a goat thing in general. I think, I think <laughs> that's a girl boy. Yeah. We're not saying that the, there's something wrong with girl goats <laughs> yeah. that they bite on you. Boy <laughs> goats bite on you. You're about, you about to step in it, bro. <laughs> I'll be honest. Goat, goat, I'll be honest. Ne- never been comfortable around goats. If I'm at a petting zoo and yeah, I, no, I kinda no. look, they kind of look, they kind of look at you a little cockeyed, they're yeah. a little, yeah, I don't know about that one. A little wily. You know? like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 All right. It's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, I'm really interested to hear your guys' perspective on this story. Uh, Derek, you in particular, because I know you're you're an investor. And okay. there's a new investment trend, and I'm bringing two related news items, I'll keep it pretty tight, uh, that both have to do with NFTs. So are you guys familiar with- Very much. Very the, fascinated the, the, by the, NFTs. Okay. Yeah, they're dope. Uh, so so uh, basically, it's- Jamie's uh, saying no. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's very easy to explain. And uh, listen, I'll just break down the Af- a- acronym and that'll explain everything. It's it's a non-fungible token, obviously. Um, but, uh, Jamie, so- in, the, in the Bitcoin blockchain era, they have fungible tokens, which means um, there's, there's many can be created. That would be like Bitcoins and other things. And so it's a digital blockchain uh, commodity that you can purchase and own. And, but but many people can own them. So then there's a supply and demand kind of, you know, whatever. And there's a variable with fungible tokens. NFTs are non-fungible tokens, meaning, meaning there's only one of this item. So it's a digital item that you can actually uh, assign ownership in the blockchain. And so there can be a provable um, ownership for any digital item, like a fo- digital photograph, a sound, a... Mean Got it. anything, okay. and so they're taken off right now because, like people collect baseball cards or art, and the scarcity, the fact there's only one makes it valuable. That's happening now with digital assets, and it's going to be revolutionary 
for creators in this new digital era because it will allow them to assign tangible value to things that are now basically free and worthless because you can download and copy anything on the internet. There can actually be an owner of that thing now. Right. Yeah. So, okay. so the, the yeah, it, still don't really make a lot of sense, but it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going. To, I feel like even uh, uh, as I explained the two kind of news items around NFTs that that were out this week. Um, uh, I'm a participator, makes, by the way. NBA Top Shot, right here. All right. So, Straight you, so, up. so in the sports world, one of the big things is you can purchase highlights and own highlights of sort of fantastic plays. Um, you know, and very yeah. mundane plays have less value, like the yeah. ones I own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, the two kind of news stories is uh, Jack Dorsey is selling his first ever tweet, which is, in case anyone's wondering, uh, from 2006. Uh, Jack Dorsey is obviously he's the founder of Twitter. Um, his first tweet was just setting up my Twitter, uh, and he spelled Twitter <laughs> uh, with with no vowels. Uh, so it was a very 2006 <laughs> tweet. Um, mm-hmm. Current bid for it is $2.5 million um, to own that single tweet. And uh, Jack Dorsey does say he will get, be giving the proceeds uh, to uh, a charity. Now, the other big NFT uh, news that came out this week as well was, uh, you know, the first kind of major artist to release an album as an NFT. So people are actually purchasing. So how it works is there's actually a ledger. So like an accounting ledger, um, but it's the entries in that ledger are encrypted and very secure. Um, and so there will be a record of whether you actually own this thing or not at, in this sort of encrypted digital ledger. Again, it's all very complicated, but the the band Kings of Leon are releasing their upcoming album as an, as an NFT. Um, it, uh, here is uh, I want to I want to read this is from CNBC who did an interesting story about this and NFTs in general. Uh, but here is a line from it: King of Leon is offering this album package with a vinyl and digital download for a token price at fifty dollars. It'll be released uh, this week uh, through Yellow Heart, which is a ticketing and music NFT platform. And uh, we'll open for two weeks starting at noon. After that two-week period, no more will be made. So I understand why they would want to experiment with distributing music in a different way. Um, than Grimes, kinda- Grimes, the artist Grimes, uh, last week made millions of dollars selling some of the, her creations as NFTs. Yeah, it's not too... What's interesting too, I mean, it's not too dissimilar you know, from, you know, what uh, Wu-Tang did years ago before NFTs were really mm-hmm. popular is they made a single, you know, studio copy of, yep. they made a single master of an album and sold it. it in that case, it ended up in the hands of a right. pharma bro, Martin uh, Shurkerelli <laughs> or what was yeah, his name? Yeah, in prison. Um but you know this NFT trend. It's a you know a lot of people are looking at it as a way for for artists to further monetize their work, especially in an era where a lot of things are are free and streaming. I have my suspicions and doubts about um, about how effective NFTs will be for selling music. Personally, um, I think once people are used to getting something for free, it's very hard to get them to pay for it. Um, but, but, just, it, it could, but Jesse, this is, I, I, I got to disagree with you, man. I think this is going to be a new economy and this generation coming up, this is going to be part of just how currency works. And, and, and if you look at it, that same line of thinking, 
Uh, people were saying that about street art in the early 2000s. It's just worthless. These are artists, but it's free. Nobody will ever, you know. And then Banksy's are getting taken off of walls and, and auctioned in the high fine art world for millions of dollars. It's, it's, people are applying value to something because of the scarcity of it more than it is. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's, it's not that I don't see that. I, 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 I understand the business model. I just personally am skeptical in the case of music specifically that mm-hmm. it will revolutionize how people consume music. I, I can just, ask a question about yeah, music. Yeah. So when I want to listen to a new album, I just, I'm an Apple music person. I just go and find it and then I listen to it. Mm-hmm. So what changes? I have to then go. So it just, I think this, so this is the, this would be my only application that I see that. So one, I don't think the average consumer may change, but you, the thing about being an artist, you don't make your and break your career off the average consumer. Grateful Dead say you only need a thousand real fans to have a career. And things like NFTs will allow your super fans to get that one album for whatever price they deem its value. So I think that you don't really have a thing like that. And also think about it. I think we're kind of a little bit older, but this generation has never experienced the idea of going to the store, grabbing something attributing that value. So I think there is some value in the fact that they've never been able to say, I have something exclusively that no one else has. Right. You know what and I mean? I think, so I, so I it's think that's exclusive. A, that's yeah, what makes it. I what think it not is. necessarily. Yeah. I mean, like not necessarily because like, let's say the digital assets, we're talking about music, but let's say like a, a highlight clip, which NBA top shot is doing yeah. or, or a digital photo or a meme. Yep. You can yeah. NFT that meme. Millions of people can share that meme on their Instagram. But the difference is because of the certificate of ownership, it's like I own the Mona Lisa, the reproductions of the Mona Lisa, you can buy for 30 bucks and frame it. And you can say you have the Mona Lisa, but I know that I have the actual only Mona Lisa, the true Mona Lisa, and I can prove it with this documentation. Mine is priceless. Yours is worth 30 bucks. That's going to happen with all this digital art, music and whatever. A lot of people may have it, but you are the one who has the true one right. and you can prove it in the blockchain and that gives it value. And in fact, some of the things that if a meme goes wild and millions of people know this meme, it actually drives up the value of your meme because now I have something that everybody knows and I own the true one. Even if everybody can download it and see it, whatever, it's like there's this, I own it. I have something that nobody else has and therefore it has value. But why yeah. would I want to own it if I could get it for free? It's an investment. It's, it's you a make money back on it? It's a difference of buying fine art originals or buying reproductions to hang in your house. One's an investment and one is for aesthetic purposes and it could be the same painting. But one's real and one's a re- reproduction. You know I, what I mean? I, yeah, I, I think where I see things like NFTs, and, and look, I mean, this is a new model and, and people are kind of figuring out what they want to do with it. But I think if there are cases where access to certain art is restricted to, you know, people who own, you know, in this case, they're, they're selling a number limited number of these NFTs for a short period of time, you know, 
my fear, like one of the th- what I read a couple things about why Quibi didn't work, and there's a ton of reasons. Quibi was that streaming platform that was released yeah, right. at terrible timing because <laughs> terrible it was making timing. short form video content that was meant to be consumed on commutes, um, mm-hmm. and it was released last year around this time when everyone stopped commuting and everyone started working from home. But one of the other major kind of things that people looked at is access was so limited that you know you couldn't share in, in everything was unshareable and so nothing from quibi got memed right mm. where uh. you know right now the first thing netflix does when they release a new show like murder among the mormons a new kind of three-part true crime yeah. thing that dropped yeah. right the first thing they do is on their twitter account release screenshots with captions from the show of one of the interesting characters and memify it i mean this is why tiger king came you know what blew right. up or any yeah. other pop culture thing is right. not because it was inherently popular it was but it was fueled by meme culture it's right. the same thing like i think honestly the reason why drake is you know has had the career that he's had is because he is not just a, a, a not just because he's a musician and songwriter skill, because he's a master of leaning into memes and making his content accessible in different forms. And anything that limits that, even if there's a strategy behind it, I just have some skepticism, but it's certainly interesting to watch. Long story short, new era of relevant podcasts. We are now an NFT. Only one of you can have it. <laughs> and I will be taking bids on my website, CameronString.com. Look, okay. you just got to you just got to sell one of them, Cameron. We That's just got to sell, sell one of them. Scarcity, man, drives value up. One of you give me a million dollars, we'll do this podcast, okay? All right. Uh, what do you have, Jamie? Okay, we've been talking about COVID today as, you know, the anniversary is coming around. And right now, you know, we mentioned this earlier about the hesitancy around some um, black Americans and wanting to get uh, the vaccine. We know for lots of reasons of things that have happened in our history, but actually... Uh, the least likely faith group in the U.S. to get vaccinated goes to, you know, drum roll, please, white evangelicals. Of course. Dun, dun, dun. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it said uh, a new survey from Pew Research said that 54 54% of white evangelicals definitely or probably plan on getting vaccinated. And that was the lowest of any group surveyed. Uh, you know, 64% of black Americans will definitely or probably get vaccinated. And 77% of Catholics and 71% of the religiously unaffiliated are going to get vaccinated. Uh, atheists are actually the most likely to get vaccinated with 90% saying that they Eesh, want to get uh, vaccinated. So, you know, there's a couple of reasons for this. Yeah, Maybe one of them. Why? One of them is because white evangelicals are overwhelmingly Republican. And Republicans are far less likely to get vaccinated than Democrats. In fact, according to the survey, 83% of Democrats either plan to get vaccinated against the virus or already have been compared to 56% of Republicans. So there's a big gap there. Mm. Um, But Dr. Moore, you know, we talked about him. uh, We talked about him before on the show and he wrote an article recently that was in, I believe it was in the Washington Post, actually. Um, And his final paragraph of this was this. I'm going to quote the whole thing from him because it's so good. He says, we have all lost much during this pandemic for Christians. One of the most awful aspects, apart from the deaths of those that we love, is the isolation we've had from one another, along with our feelings of powerlessness to change the situation. The vaccines change that equation. 
by getting vaccinated, as soon as our time is called, we can actively work for what we've been praying for. Churches filled with people, hugs in the church foyer, singing loudly together uh, with hymns that we all love. And then Dr. Moore finishes and he says, at the same time, we can express our love for our neighbor, especially the sick and elderly by getting this vaccine. Um, he says, as evangelical Christians, we should all hear that challenge and say amen. So interestingly, Dr. Moore released that article. I believe that was last week. And then this uh, research from Pew says that white evangelicals are the least likely religion group to get the vaccine. Wow. Crazy. We're all yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. All right. What do you have, Derek? So, uh, uh, Right now, I found a very interesting stat, and uh, it says that the plummeting birth rate has experts wondering why are, aren't millennials having more babies? Mm. Like, we're having so few babies that uh, we're not even at replacement rate, meaning that more people are dying. It seems like more people are dying than having babies. Wow. Uh, yeah. Mm. Like, or, wow. or I guess the the rate of replacement Mm-hmm. Is not high enough. So, um, so there, there's more boomers dying than millennials having kids. Well, here I'll read it because I don't want to misquote it. In fact, the U.S. birth rate is currently well below what's known as the replacement level. Mm-hmm. The ratio of babies being born compared to aging generations. That's mm-hmm. a, and it says that's mm-hmm. a crisis. This is from the University of Southern California, uh, Professor Dow Myers. And so a couple things that they're wondering is maybe the main reason is that there's more women in the workforce now. Which I think that's a good thing for women that, you know, do want to work. But then at the same time, it's that. But then also the rising care of child, the rising cost of child care and different things like that. It seems to be contributing to it. So um, I thought that was a pretty interesting stat. And they thought that we would get a bump because of the quarantine. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you if, if the if the rising care of child, if the rising cost of child care and then also women in the workforce is mm-hmm. an issue, then quarantine wasn't going to help that because everybody's struggling to financially make it. So I've known more women that have had to go back to work because their husbands have, you know, either lost their job or some certain things aren't working out. So yeah, it's crazy. We're in a crazy time. Yeah. And, and there's stats that this generation is getting married way later. It's like 31 now, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like 23 back in the day. And so there's a shorter window to have kids. There's less of a desire to have kids at that stage of life. It's interesting. Wow, that's crazy. So, so America's population is going to start going down as over time is what it's predicting. That's crazy. Hey, y'all get out. Y'all start having sex, man. Start (laughs) popping these babies, man. We we got it. We got to replace. There's been a ton of crazy lifestyle changes just across the board. You know, it it, it really is like, I mean, just the way people are kind of living and thinking about how they're spending their time, everything from, you know, starting families and kind of, uh, you know, planning what their families to look like to just interacting with, you know, people in their lives. It's been, been a crazy year. And I, it'll be interesting to see what, what eventually kind of settles back into what have been normative patterns and what's changed forever, including Mm. the birth rate, you know? Yeah. All right, well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, we have the debut edition of the Relevant Culture Quiz with a special listener contestant. Stay tuned. Don't you tell me you know me when you don't.
You're listening to Russ. The song is Misunderstood. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, it is time for... Relevant Culture Quiz. (laughs) Now, what is this game? Let me tell you, dear listener, we have a new game called the Relevant Culture Quiz. This is the pandemic edition of the Relevant Culture Quiz. Uh, Tyler Huckabee wrote these questions, so if they stink, don't blame me. Um, but I will be your host today. Uh, here's what Tyler said. For many of us, 2020 actually began in March. This has been one year this week since the, since the quarantine started. So, you know, with us having to mask up, socially distance and spend a lot of time at home, we all engaged culture together. We were streaming everything. And, and so this quiz is looking back at the last year of pop culture, the relevant culture quiz. So joining us to play the game with this is if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, listener, the question of the week, there's always a, an answer by Ben Stroop joining <laughs> us today. Welcome, Ben Stroop. Hey, man. Good afternoon. Yo, Ben. What's up, man? Stroop Dog. What up, Stroop? (laughs) Anybody call you Stroop Dog? Ben, your your head on video looks way different than your Twitter avatar. I ain't gonna cap, bro. You definitely look... Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You look way, like, cooler. Like, I'd hang out with you in in real video. Dang. But on Twitter, you look a little uptight. I'm just saying. I don't know. (laughs) Dang, bro. It's time to to upgrade the picture, bro. That's funny. Time to upgrade the picture. Ben, have you thought about incorporating a whimsical hat of some sort? Or <laughs> a bit, an ironic bedazzled vest? Something? I don't even know what my Twitter picture is, so I'm going to have to go back and look at it. I'm honestly I think, not sure. I think, a, I think a, a very bold medallion prominently featured like a, like a bird of prey in flight would send the message that you I want. I think it's pre-beard for sure, though. Yeah, it's definitely pre-beard. I, it's pre-beard. I think that's what it is. Like when you got on okay. here, it looks like look, you, you became it looks a like duck an engagement dynasty photo. Guy. Yeah, a little engagement photo, like kind of like you and and the girl matching white shirts and linen pants at the beach, sort of a vibe. Wolski. we all did that. Jesse no, we definitely did. did. We I didn't all do that. Oh, we we all, didn't all do that. All the white people did. Y'all <laughs> did that. I have no, literally. I have a picture of twenty-one-year-old Jesse and Dana in matching outfits <laughs> on the beach in their engagement photo. I have it in an Oprah Winfrey frame, and it is on my bookshelf. In your over. house? It was in the podcast studio for years, and I just I think it's the, the local thing photographer ever. suggested blue jeans and white <laughs> shirts. And who who was I? I did not. You know, who are you I, to I, know I, what's good or bad? Yeah. So he, the, the extent, the extent that if my photography is like the Sears portrait f- studio, like for a quick family portrait after a you know a mall trip to JC Penney, th- her idea was fine. They're lovely photos. They're, They're lovely, lovely photos. Aaron and I have the same ones, nah. so yeah, yeah. Nah. Are they black and white like Jesse's? I think we have all kinds, but they're not on a beach. They were in a studio. So yeah. Ben, well, all you- that to say, upgrade your Twitter avatar <laughs> or or double down. <laughs> 
and get matching outfits. Hey, can, 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 I, can I just, I know we need to get to the game, but the best thing about that era of like engagement photos or family portraits wasn't just black and white on the beach, everyone wearing matching outfits. It was like when the photographer, it was black and white, but one color on oh, the photo. Yes. So it's like everyone has like one blue thing and that like goes through. It's black and white except for one color. I always, that's a flex if you're, if you're the family portrait Jerry, photographer. I disagree that this is just a white thing, man. I have seen a lot of photos of every hey, look, doing this. I don't know. I don't know thing. if it's a, a black or a white thing. I'm just saying, y'all tried to lump me in that nonsense. <laughs> and uh, it's look, not a Derek. You know, Minor I'm just thing, saying, it, it 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 may or may not be, you know. But look, it ain't a Derek Minor thing. Not the gotcha. matching. I don't think I like low key. Like if my wife has on the same color as me, I'm going. I'm changing. You need to go change. All right. That's oh yeah. We, we don't. Yeah, yeah. I can't do it. I can't. That's do funny. It. All right. So here's how the game's gonna work. We have five rounds. We're gonna do teams. So uh, I, I was thinking that we would do um, Jamie and Derek versus Jesse and Ben. And so we're going to do teams. I'll each, I'll ask each team a question. It's multiple choice. All of them, but one or multiple choice. This is about culture. This is about the last year of pop culture. This is that we've all Derek, experienced. Derek, I need you to come through. I need you to come through. I'm just glad I'm not on Jamie's team. Because I'm so bad. Uh-huh. Uh, Thanks, Ben. You know what? I'm glad you're not on the team. You've never seen Die Hard. I have seen Die Hard. I watched half of it, Ben Stroop, and then I said, I don't need to see the rest of it. She bailed on Die Hard, Ben. (laughs) All right. Okay, let's go, Derek. Now I'm in. First question. Uh, This one's for Derek and Jamie. First question. I'm I'm throwing it to them because I know Jesse would get it right. Tiger King was one of the first TV shows to grab our nationwide quarantine attention by the tail. And not let go. That's Tyler's writing. <laughs> nah, that's his copy. Nah. Riveting okay. America with the strange, often disturbing, and always unbelievable story of big cat collector Joe Exotic. According to New York Magazine, Joe Exotic also attempted what ill-advised experiment? Was it saddle lions and tigers so park visitors could ride them like horses? Or was it translate the purrs, growls, roars, and grunts of big cats into a rudimentary written language? C... Breed lions and tigers to bring back saber-toothed tigers, or D, sell lions and tigers to Silicon Valley tech companies as exotic guard animals. What was the other ill-fated thing he actually attempted? I'm gonna be good, honest, Derek. It sounds like God. all of them. Yeah, is there right. all of the above? What, no, what was no the first e. one? Saddle lions and tigers so park visitors could ride them like horses. I, I have think a pretty that's high the de- one. I have a pretty high degree of confidence in 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 an answer. You think it's the first one, Derek? I think I, I mean it's a Okay, before okay, I reveal the answer, Jesse, what was your guess? I just want to know. My guess was well, I think a I think crossbreeding a, a, a tiger and he a lion is a liger for one. And two, yeah. the the thing that I think he would do is market them to Silicon Valley. He's a businessman, Joe Exotic. I think that's what it was. Okay, the actual answer you're both wrong. Is C breed lions and tigers to bring back saber toothed tigers? He's trying to bring back saber already, okay. There you go. Got All right. Wrong. All right. Good first time. question for J- Jesse. What what's yours and Ben's team name? Ben, what what are you feeling, man? Derek, you need to come with the team name too. I'm not sure. I mean, you're rocking an ORU jersey today, so we That's can right. like- They just made the tournament. We will be the Golden Eagles the in Golden honor Eagles. of Max Abrams and the ORU uh, Golden my, Eagles. My college, RIP, Cincinnati Christian, is no longer, but we were the Golden Eagles too, so we'll stick with there Golden There we go. Eagles. Look at that, Ben. What happens to your degree when your college goes out of business, Ben Stroop? 
I'm not sure, but I have a job, so I'm just going to hold on to this one so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good man. That's smart. All right, smart here's a question uh, for the Golden Eagles. Timbaland and Swizz Beats' Versus has become a phenomenon pitting big-name artists against each other in digital DJ battles. While there was some internet speculation that Ja Rule would face off against his longtime enemy 50 Cent on the show, Ja ultimately said it would never happen. What reason did he give? Was it A, Ja said he could never beat 50 Cent and didn't even want to try? Was it B, Ja said he could easily beat 50 Cent so it wasn't worth his time? Was it C, Ja said 50 would be too mean and he wanted to keep it positive or D, Josh said Fiddy is only interested in making movies now and has no interest in rapping. The actual reason he gave for saying no. I would have paid good money for this, so I'm not sure I know the answer. This one, what do you think, Jesse? This one's tough. I think... Ja Rule does not seem like meanness would, you know, be a deterrent for him. I mean, he knowingly defrauded uh, uh, hipsters that came to Fire <laughs> Island or whatever. Okay? Right, right. Like, I don't think he's worried about hurting 50 Cent's feelings. Right. I think if he's deflecting, it's because he's saying, uh, 50's got too much. He's doing other stuff. Music's my lane. Right. And I thought the movies too. Okay. You think? Good. Oh, yep. So gold, D is what you're saying. Yeah. It was like uh, D for uh, the Golden Eagles. I, yeah. <laughs> Derek, Derek, do you know the answer? Do you have a thought? It's, I think it's B. Okay. Again, you're both wrong. It's C. <laughs> ja said 50 would be too mean and Ja what? wanted to be no. positive. Yes. Probably because he knew how many words ran with fire. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, I love it. Nice work. Be too mean. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All right. Here it goes. Uh, Really? Now, what's y'all's team name? Jamie and Derek. I want to be. I just want to be a part of Derek's fan club. So, what could our? What could our? What about the? We'll be the because you're from Texas and I'm from Tennessee. The Texasians. Like the it. Texasians? Yeah, we'll be the there Texasians. We I like it. All right, the Texasians versus Golden Eagles. Okay, here's your question. The Queen's Gambit, which Jesse was so excited about because it's about chess, became Netflix's second runaway pandemic hit, telling the story of Beth Harmon, an orphaned chess prodigy whose outward fight to become a grandmaster is matched only by her struggle with her inner demons. While the series, which is mostly set in the 60s, was lauded for its performances and lush design, what significant detail did it overlook? Was it A, the show's title, The Queen's Gambit, is said by the characters to be an advanced chess move, but the move itself more closely resembles a real defensive play known as the Armenian Poltergeist? Or was it B, the show's finale featured a game in which the chess pieces are clearly from a novelty Star Wars chess set? C, the real Beth Harmon was actually a checkers prodigy? Or D, Beth couldn't have played in the World Chess Championship since women were not allowed to participate until the 1980s? I've got nothing. Uh, only guess I got is the last one, Jamie. So you may I've got me. nothing either, but I watched half of the series and again, What's ben, you're going to be a same thing. I know, I know. I, I lost interest. I'm like, I don't I don't really care what happens with the chess. I, I'm, I'm out. I never yeah. saw the end. So I don't it takes place where I live, so I was all in. Oh, oh nice. Uh, ironic twist, uh, Jamie. Bruce Willis shows up in the second half of the series. <laughs> Does he blow the chessboard up? There was a bombing threat at the, the championship. He no, what's, the championship? what's your answer? Ironically, he throws Hans Gruber off of a large like, chess yeah, You would have loved it, Jamie. Crazy. You would have loved it. You should have pushed through it. Do you want so me to pick, finish. Derek? I, yeah, you could pick this one. I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to... It's a total guess. I'm going to guess that something was off with those chess pieces that they used. No, D. Women couldn't participate in the championship till the 80s. I don't know, which totally under, under, 
you know, undercuts the entire miniseries. Yeah. Anyway. I really thought you were going to ask me who who was originally going to direct that show forever ago, because you guys know I knew that. I think I brought it as a slice once. Mm. Yes. And I was, I was hoping to win. All right. Oh, here hey. you go. Golden Eagles. Here you go. Taylor Swift released not one, but two pandemic albums, one of which was nominated for Album of the Year. If Folklore wins the Grammy in this weekend's award show, big week this week. No. Swift will become just the fourth person to have three album of the year Grammys. Who are the other three artists? Is it A, Frank Sinatra, Stevie Wonder, and Paul Simon? B, Paul McCartney, Jay-Z, and David Byrne? C, Aretha Franklin, Bob Dylan, and Dave Grohl? Or D, Daft Punk, Mick Jagger, and Ray Charles? Ben, I'm, ben what are you feeling here, man? Because I have a hunch. I have a gut. I have a, I have a hunch, but I want to hear what your I thoughts. I think I'm overthinking it. But the Ray Byrne, the Dave Byrne, I don't I don't even know who that is. He, he was a lead singer of Talking Heads. Okay. So so then I was like, well, oh man, because Grohl's in there too. I don't know. This is I, not see, easy. I think C with Dave Grohl because, okay. I, you know, I think Nirvana probably won. With right. And then he probably won at some point with, uh, you know, one or two with the Foo Fighters. I, I just have, I feel like that one crossed. What, read C one more time, Cameron. Aretha Franklin, Bob Dylan, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go with it. Let's the answer go. is A, Frank Sinatra, no! Stevie Wonder, and Paul Simon. Does anyone have a point? No, we we trash at this. Zero, <laughs> zero. This, <laughs> is, this is Trivial Pursuit expert. Like, yeah, you know, we sure. all have three more chances to do this. Tyler, Tyler Huckabee definitely did these questions. The Texas Seans. Here we go. Uh, after several years of disappointing sales, Nintendo hit a home run in 2020 with its latest iteration of Animal Crossing, a gentle video game that features no fights or even any real action, just the opportunity to be mayor of your own little town. The game was a huge success, and according to Nintendo, what was particularly notable about the demographic of people who play? Was it A, people who play Animal Crossing are usually old with the average player in the mid-50s, in their mid-50s, or is it B, people who play Animal Crossing are highly educated with over a third having advanced degrees? C, Animal Crossing's popularity skews female with about 53% of all players being women? Or D, most people who play Animal Crossing are doing so at work with a whopping 60% saying they're playing the game on the clock. It's either B or D. I was going to say B. The answer is C. Animal Crossing's popularity skews female. Zero, mm. zero. Here we go, Golden Eagles. Oh my gosh. Right, One of the this, biggest ben. surprise TV hits of the year was Ted Lasso, a spinoff of a marketing campaign that followed the misadventures of an American football coach whose positive attitude helps transform the toxic culture of a UK soccer team. Uh, Jason Sudeikis got his start as a writer and then a featured player on SNL. Which president or presidential nominee has he not portrayed on Saturday Night Live? Here we go. I was really excited for a Ted Lasso question. George W. Bush, B. Joe Biden, C. Mitt Romney, or D. Al Gore? Ben, I don't know. I can tell you all about Ted Lasso, so we'll just, we'll just talk about that. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a. I mean, Tyler Huckey. Yeah, good lord. Um, McCain was an option. George W. Bush, Joe Biden, Mitt Romney, or Al Gore? I, I'm saying Al Gore based on visuals alone here, and I don't know. I'd say that's probably good. And so it's a square D. Al Gore is the correct answer. Boom, boom, boom. What I meant to say, and Corey can go back and edit this, is absolutely it's that one, and we're so right. <laughs> we got that, that golden eagle. 
Spirit. You think we're on our heels and all of a sudden back on our toes, ladies and gentlemen. You got that guy who can suck a three-pointer from anywhere on the court. Yep. You, hey, expect and we needed one. We needed expect one, Ben. Hey, and we took it. We Side took note, one deep. I've started Ted Lasso and haven't finished it, so there's that. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's Again, why we keep losing. Jamie, Jamie is bizarre. At the end, Bruce Willis shows up. There's a bomb threat at the stadium. It's crazy. And he right. throws Hans Gruber <laughs> off of a roof. <laughs> all right. All right, uh, Texas Seans, here we go. The Super Bowl, LV, Super Bowl, what is that, 50, 40? What was it, 55? Okay, we watched it. What was it? The Super Bowl halftime show saw the weekend dazzle audiences, culminating his astonishing decade-long rise from anonymous producer from his mom's basement in Toronto to bona fide pop superstar. Just this week, the weekend logged another major career milestone. What was it? Was it A, blinding lights, Clocked 52 weeks in Billboard's top 10, making it the first song to ever spend a full year in the top 10. B, The Weeknd was on the cover of Vanity Fair, becoming the first person to appear on the cover of Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, GQ, and Time in the same quarter. Was it C, his 2011 album House of Balloons returned to the iTunes bestseller list, making him the first artist to have four albums on the iTunes top 20 charts? Or D, his Tony nomination made him the first artist ever to receive nominations for each letter in EGOT, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, before winning a single one. Which was it? On a friend. You gonna let me just guess? Oh, this one too. Your, your guess good as mine. I, I maybe A. I don't know. I was gonna guess C because here's my thinking: is that he was on the Super Bowl and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, I like this guy," and I'm gonna go back and find an album from 2011. Bet. Does that happen in life? Yeah. Bet. Okay, C. So what we're learning here collectively together, because we want to take, we want to draw <laughs> lessons from our experiences in life is if there's a question about a music artist, maybe go with the music artist's gut on it oh, being he, okay, A, but listen, blinding Derek, lights, clock 52 weeks and Billboard's top 10. First time that's ever happened. It was A, not that C. That does not. I was like, there's no way that's the first time that's ever happened. It's the first time it's ever happened. It's an entire year in the top well, 10. Can, that's can I know I something? Tyler, I think Tyler messed up. Yeah, I, Derek, but you weren't confident. I, please, like this please, week. I wasn't confident. I wasn't, I wasn't confident. I wasn't confident. I just, look, I just said, I told you your guess is good as mine. I just like, I don't know. Hey, well, okay. I want to know one more thing about these questions from Tyler. <laughs> okay. They get a question. The weekend performed at the Super Bowl. Here's a question about the weekend. We, me and Ben, the Golden Eagles get one. Ted Lasso is a popular show. This show stars an actor. That actor used to be in this show years ago during the political time. That actor would sometimes portray these. Which one city? It's like saying, there's a popular documentary out about the life of Britney Spears. Spears resemble javelins. In the 1957 Olympics, the javelin competition came down between athletes from Germany, the United States, Nigeria. It's like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. You found the most sideways way. Sure. You started as a pop culture question. I don't know what this is. <laughs> You're right. That's a good point. Uh, live critiques, uh, Tyler Huckabee. Sorry, game. Tyler. Um, okay. This is the one non-multiple choice question. Okay. This is, you just got to know the answer. Okay. Uh, Golden Eagles. Here we go. In April this past year, this TV show surprised chart watchers by dropping this vi- this villainous track on streaming services where it quickly went to the top of the iTunes and Spotify charts, dethroning Post Malone and becoming a viral meme. What is the name of the TV show and the song that we're talking about? 
TV show dropped a villainous track. It says in April of this year. So I'm uh, okay. referring to March to March 20. of the year. Okay. So it's a long time ago. Um, it, it, Dude, Ben, is it that weird Tiger King song? The one that's that's right. I was trying to remember all Joe exotic songs. scenes with the music video. <laughs> that's a good guess. It, it's, it's, hey, think, okay, real quick. Think about what were you watching at the very beginning of quarantine? What were you just eating up? Tiger King? It was Tiger okay. King, Love is Blind. Okay. Um, Final answer. Let's go. You want to go Tiger King, the Joe Exotic? Your kitty kitty, Joe Exotic. I mean. kitty kitty, Joe Exotic. Okay, so what you're not thinking of, and Derek Minor could probably remind us of, is if you have a project coming out later, you want to drop things to create anticipation and awareness long before it debuts. The song is WandaVision, Agatha <gasps> All Along. Only Tyler, Tyler would know went that. With that. Yes. Oh, that April of last year. <laughs> According to Tyler Huckabee's crack research, yep. There was a WandaVision song. The show alone is too confusing. Much less adjacent songs. <laughs> All right, so this is the last round. It's one zero. So team uh, Texasians, y'all got to get this. Well, I'm not even. choosing. Just so you know, Derek. Well, if it's, it's on about you. music, maybe go with Derek. If it's about <laughs> books. You go or Texas trivia. We can go with you. Okay, here we go. In December of 2020, Pixar released Soul, becoming one of the first major studios to forego a theatrical release All for right, a of course major it's be the black film question. and utilize <laughs> Disney Plus instead. The, don't make it racial, Derek. We're talking about streaming. I'm talking about theaters. Bro, the movie utilized real footage of what beloved artist in creating its animated portrayals of live music. Movie utilized real footage of what beloved artist? It was it A. Leon Bridges, B. John Legend, C. John Batiste, or D. Anderson Pack. The video it used live footage of who to to for Soul. So the movie utilized real footage of what of those artists to then. You know, do the animation uh, and creating okay. its animated portrayals of live music. Who do they watch and study to create and capture the live music experience? And run it back. Who who you say? John Legend, Le- Leon Bridges, John Legend, John Batiste, or Anderson Pack. I'm gonna go with Batiste. That's where I was gonna go with Derek. Circle gets the square. They're on the board. John Batiste is the answer. Good right, job. Yeah, that's what your boy. Let's bring this home. Let's one this one. Home. Final question. Come on, Golden Eagles. Expect a miracle. This is the one. Here it is. In March, French dance pop duo Daft Punk called it quits after an incredible 28-year run. While we've never officially seen the faces of the two men who make up Daft Punk, we do know their names, or at least we know the names they've given us, which are A, Pierre and Jean-Luc, B, Tomas and Guy Manuel, C, Pepe and Luis, or D, Hugo, and Raphael? Then I feel pretty confident in A here. I, I, I'm with you, I think, but I doubt everything I know right now. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I question I question everything. And, I, you know, unlike uh, uh, Tyler, who is evidently a member of every entertainment <laughs> guild in the world and asked them to send him the most obscure facts <laughs> in existence as they relate to pop culture, uh, I think this is our best bet, Ben. If you're yeah. feeling it, I'm feeling it. Let's go with A. The answer is B, Tomas and Guy. <laughs> So it's a tie. It's a tie. Is, it a tie? is there it's a, a tiebreaker? No, there's not. No. That's all he gave us. 
Expect yeah. a miracle. Y'all missed out. It's a well, time. Jamie doesn't know this. Spoiler alert. At the end of Ted Lasso, there's a time. Wait, don't tell me because I am going to finish it eventually. <laughs> that's actually, oh, yeah. That's good. That's true. Sure. Right, dude, thank you, Ben Stroop, for joining us, man. Ben. It's a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for the debut of... Relevant Culture Quiz. Well, before we wrap up, I want to thank Nate Bargatze for joining us. Make sure to catch his Netflix special debuts March 18th coming up this week. Man, there's a lot going on this week. A lot of good stuff coming out. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Nate Bargatze, B-A-R-G-A-T-Z-E. It's worth it. He posts funny clips all the time. It's great. Also, make sure to check out the new issue of Relevant. The March-April issue, issue 105, is out now. It's presented ad-free, and you can read it for free because of our partners, UHSM, presenting the issue. Uh, you can read more of our conversation with Nate Bargatze. It features a cover story with Johnny Swim, Hillsong United's Taya, Lakeith Stanfield, think pieces about climate change, gender equity in the church, um, Rachel Denhollander's work about sex abuse in the church. I mean, it is a packed issue, and it is out now. It's available for free. Go check it out at relevantmagazine.com slash magazine. Thanks again to our sponsors, UHSM. Also, while you're at the site, stay in the know with the best stuff that's coming out each day with our top five trending uh, pieces sent to you every morning with our new newsletter, Relevant Today, and also our daily Deeper Walk devotional newsletter. You can check them out both at the site and sign up. And if you're into the daily devotional thing, Deeper Walk is not just a newsletter and a post at our site, but it's also a podcast, a daily podcast. You can uh, get the Deeper Walk podcast wherever you get your shows. It's out now. It's beautiful. It's great. You know, next week, we should probably play a clip, Clark, so people can hear it. Uh, Deeper Walk podcast, Relevant Today newsletter, Deeper Walk newsletter, new issue of Relevant, a lot going on. Go check it out, relevantmags.com. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Jamie Ivey. I'm defeated. <laughs> you, you tied. You <laughs> didn't get tie. defeated. No, if you're not first, you last. What my dad said. Except from <laughs> Jesus. Hey, we will see you all next Friday. Have a great week, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com Michelle, I'm so sorry. Baby, come back. Please, what do you say, Quiet Storm? Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.